Trials and tribulations, life can get rough. And through the storm, we'll make it. Just put your trust in Him. No matter what you're going through, I know that I'll never leave you. You feel that you can't take no more. You may think you've seen it all. This is the Get Happy with Jay podcast. I'm your host, producer, and more, Jatan Woods. Before we get into our chat, I want to take the time to ask you to consider nominating the show for an award. All you have to do is visit the website, podcastawards.com. Once you register, you'll be directed to the nomination page where you will see several different categories. Get Happy with Jay is listed under the People's Choice category. Scroll down and you'll find us. Thank you in advance for taking the time to nominate the show. We're not looking for accolades necessarily, but this is a great way to spread the word about the podcast to an even bigger potential audience. We want to grow this happy movement, and with your help, we'll do just that. The website, once again, is www.podcastawards.com. Nominations in July 31st. Now, on to this week's show. You guys know by now that I'm all about a feel-good life story, and we have one for you today. In just a moment, you're going to meet Ruben Ramirez. He's an actor, activist, motivational speaker who has overcome some pretty incredible odds. His positivity is infectious, which you will definitely hear for yourself. Now, let's get right into our happy chat with Ruben. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. So happy to have you with us. Happy to be here. So let's start at the beginning. That's usually where I like to begin. Tell me about your background. Well, I am uh, 23 years old. I have uh, I have a wonderful mother, mother, father. You know, um, shout out to my mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> Got to shout out the parents. Uh, they've uh, blessed me with a beautiful life. I've you know grown very, very attached to them, and uh, currently they they reside in uh, Kansas City. So it sucks being away from them. <laughs> yeah, uh, but. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I have a lot of, you know, stories and, and I can't wait to tell, you know, a, a community more, you know, more connected and more local. And, you know, I want to want to tell people that you can uh, you can pursue anything you literally want. It just takes the mind. and It takes action, you know. Yep. Takes drive. Um, God gave us free will to do what mm-hmm. we want. And why not do good while we're here? You know, why not? Why not pursue greater heights? Why not? you know, motivate youth to become more than mediocre. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. So, um, yeah, that's just the type of person I am. And any of my friends will tell you that straight up. Like, yeah. man, Ruben's always trying to get me out of bed before 10 a.m. And I don't like it. <laughs> you know, uh, my best friend hates me. Like, he'd be laying in hey, bed. Hey, the early risers yeah. are the ones that are successful. Uh, yeah, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to get me uh, more of a better mindset as well. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just be, I, I follow very, very uh, motivational people as well. You know, mm-hmm. I, I stay tuned with Kevin Hart snapchat that man is up every day at like 5 30 a.m working mm-hmm. out regardless of what he does the night before mm-hmm. you know he's putting in his work and then you know he has four 
five things planned out through every day. Mm-hmm. So this man's putting in a lot of work, and that's how I want to be. You know, I want to make sure I stay busy. I want to, you know, and and sooner or later, which I'm I'm doing better of, as I want to take care of my body a little more. I want because it's the only yeah. body we got, you know. And, yeah. You know, as of lately, I realized I'm um, in that battle myself. So I'm yeah. here with you, <laughs> trying to do better with oh, that. Yeah. We I, only have one temple. Exactly. So I mean, uh, slowly but surely, I just eliminated solar last week. Yeah. And uh, that's you know, huge. Yes. And, and people lose weight just by not drinking soda yeah i mean and i've seen friends that have shed 40 50 pounds from that stuff mm-hmm. you know over you know six months and i'm like you know what i need to do that because i just you know what is it going to do for me if i like 30 years old something happens because of my health yeah. you know and my dream you know it, it can take more than you know after 30 years old to well, make i it. know a wake-up call for me for soda was a number of years ago when there was this video of people using like a certain soda product to like eat off corrosion like on a car and i'm like if this is like eating away erosion because it is so acidic yeah what is that doing to my insides yeah what's that doing to my gastrointestinal system and so like stuff like that and i because i know what you mean i see stuff like that Mm -hmm. i'm like you know what i can't do that to myself i'm literally killing myself and Yes, you know, and I mm-hmm. I can't do that. I, I need as much as time as I as I can to to pursue everything that I want to do because um, it's something that my grandmother installed in me. You know, she was mm-hmm. like, she's like, baby, you're gonna be a star one day. Yeah, you know? and uh, I have I have that tattooed on me. Tu eres mi estrella. My grandmother used to tell me all the time, and so like, you're my star, you're my star. And I think pursuing acting, everything just makes so much more sense. Right. Because one of the greatest things as for an actor is is being on a walk of fame and that's on a star yeah you know and that just connects so well and after i just figured out i'm like you know what acting is what i need to do yeah because my grandmother she set this this little stone like in my head as a young and like and i think that's important for any young child to have someone that's gonna speak positivity into someone's life no and and, and so that was great that you had that oh yeah and and it's just like you know I'm very blessed, you know. I, I'm, I come from, you know, I come from a family where I was. I had both my mom and dad. And I had mm-hmm. a grandmother and I had a grandfather, and you know, I've always had a family life, and I'm very blessed because there's a lot of fam- people that don't, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and and I hope anyone that's listening to never take that for granted. Yeah, I've seen you know families split up. People have to go to two different houses for Christmas. I never had that issue. That's a blessing. You know, I, I that's uh, honestly there's a lot of I'm, single parent I'm, households oh, yeah. out yeah. there. There's a lot of struggles. Yeah. So and that's a blessing. I, I'm very fortunate, you know, and, and anyone anyone will tell you that. Like, mm-hmm. they know how appreciative I am of my mother and my father and how much I always tell them. And now, we heard you speaking Spanish just yeah. a minute ago. So, <laughs> you are a Mexican-American. Oh, yeah, Mexican-American. So, talk about that. Are you a first-generation born here Mexican? Were your parents born here, or did they immigrate? They immigrated from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's actually pretty smart what they did. Um, they basically, uh, my mother was pregnant with me and, mm-hmm. um, my mother was, was trying to go back to Mexico for a little bit, you know, she was mm-hmm. trying to, you know, and she was pregnant. My dad was like, no, we got to wait and like, make sure that like we have to have Ruben be born in the U S because yes. it's going to be such a struggle if he's born in Mexico for him to get citizenship and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Cause you know, people don't understand how much and how long that takes and you know, mm-hmm. people need to be more knowledgeable on that, you know, and they need to be more, you know, open-minded that it's not easy, you know, so mm-hmm. 
He's like, we're going to wait till Ruben's born. After that, we can go. And they did that, you know? So so they were Mexican citizens. Yep. And they, do you know why they wanted to come to the U.S.? I'm always curious about that. Of course, everyone knows that this is a great country. It's a, prop, a prosperous nation. What was it about America that attracted them to it? Um, just necessarily at the time, it, it was uh, everyone's dream. Um, mm-hmm. it, obviously, you've heard the American dream. Yes. And, you know, and I believed in that for a long time, too, as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really feel like this is one of the it, it's hard to explain now because, like, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we see both sides of it now. Yeah. But the thing is, is like I understand from their point, you know, they come from mm-hmm. a poor neighborhood, you know, mm-hmm. they come from, you know, dirt dirt roads and you know stuff like that Mm -hmm. so to come here and see all the opportunity that was here and you know that people were actually getting paid that's a key that's a key word opportunity yeah and and Mm -hmm. that's the thing like it it was all my parents were all for providing for me and my brother you know Mm -hmm. and um to this day you know as a younging i used to wonder why do my parents work so much you know Mm -hmm. why don't they want to spend time with me and you know at the end of the day i realized you know they um, had goals and they wanted to make sure I had mm-hmm. the clothes on me. They wanted to make sure I had the nicest shoes. They wanted to make sure, you know, and I, you know, at the, at a young and I was like, my dad has three jobs and mine has two jobs. Why don't they want to be with me? You know? So yeah. at the time I was like, I want my parents, you know? Yeah. But then, you know, now, talk nowadays. talk about them a little bit more because, and I think this dispels a lot of myths out there because right now we were talking before we started recording mm-hmm. And I really wanted to know from your perspective, what is it like to be um, a young Mexican-American man living in the country today? And one of the things that she said to me that was so awesome is that your parents didn't just, you know, like sneak over here and live under the radar. They worked hard and they worked and gained their citizenship. Mm-hmm. And so, and you said that that took a long time. Yeah, How many years did you say it took them to get 14. citizenship? 14 years and a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> man. And the thing is, that was a rough estimate on the money because the thing is, you have to pay every time you go up there for an exam. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't hear for eight to nine months if you pass the exam. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, you know, it's just the process that and they're so backlogged. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, a lot of Mexicans already have fear. Yeah. Of going into those offices, government official offices and stuff like that. Where people need to understand more that that. There's already installed fear, mm-hmm. you know, like the other like this is like maybe a month or two ago. Um, if this wasn't, you know, reported or anything. But luckily, I had a friend on Snapchat that uh, sent it to me. There was I, ice went to Joya, Illinois, to my neighborhood mm-hmm. uh, over, you know, over where I used to live. And, uh, you know, they were just pulling people over. Yeah. Like nothing. They literally had four or five police patrols going through. And, and the thing is. Yeah, there's there's a lot of immigrants where I, I lived, you know, and mm-hmm. they were just trying to catch people. They were just trying to deport people, you know. And that, yeah, you know, that was sad. He was like, "Hey, man, check this out." He was like, "Look what looks what happening. Looks what happening in your hometown." And that's and so unfair because you know, with all those people that were being pulled over, the vast majority of them were citizens. Yeah, <laughs> and for you to feel like, "Oh my goodness, I am a citizen, a legal citizen of this country, and I'm being." treat it like a criminal yeah that has to be disheartening no and that's the thing like luckily um my friend uh, he posted it on facebook and it got a buku amount of shares like so, so it many. went viral yeah and mm-hmm. um luckily you know anyone that was illegal stayed home you know they made sure not to yeah you know because they, they i'm not i'm not gonna say there isn't you know you feel me so mm-hmm. and uh so luckily the ones that you know everyone was talking to each other everyone communicating that's what yeah. i love when i saw everybody connecting with each other hey make sure mm-hmm. you know 
da 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 and people were informed hey tag this person let them know da 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 you know stuff like that and that's what a community does they look out for each other because it's not right and do you feel <laughs> and of course you cannot speak for every Mexican person just like I can't speak for every black person you know we're just two people but from your experience do you feel that the Mexican Americans know that they do have support, even though with all the craziness going on, I hope that they do know that there are people that are in their corner and that we see the things that are happening and that we know it's not right and that there are still great people out there who stand up for what's right. Yes and no, because obviously, have you seen like the deportation camps that they have in Texas? They're and like concentration camps. They're, they're, <laughs> it's awful. I, I just, you know, seeing those kids just break my heart because to be torn away from, uh, mm-hmm. from your father, your mother, and already have a connection that you do. Because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, like, the connection that I have with my mom and dad, I, nobody will ever see something like that, you know? So what did you, what <laughs> like, did you think when you began to see that in the media, that in this country, we have these camps where we're holding people captive in cages of all things and separating children, even nursing babies from their mother. I mean, how did that affect you being a person that is Mexican? Uh, I just prayed. I mm-hmm. prayed for a better day for all of them. Uh, I prayed that none of my kids go through a situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I already know since I'm a citizen, like even being a citizen, because there's been stories already where Mexican citizens, uh, American citizens, like they get deported too. Yes. You know, and there's actually a location in Mexico. I can't recall where it is, but a lot of the Mexicans that get deported from America go there. Mm-hmm. And some of them are, are citizens. It makes no sense. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they get thrown into the, you know, into into that. And mm-hmm. it, it's tragic because now you have a, American Mexican, you know, and Hispanic trying to adapt to their culture because it's dangerous down there. Yeah. And that, that's what I really need people to understand. Like, like God can only protect us so much. And when you're down there, it, it, it's a it's a little dangerous um, area to speak English mm-hmm. because you'll get you'll get human trafficked easy. You yeah. Because the idea was every time I went to Mexico to visit my grandmother, mm-hmm. she told us never, never wear your nice clothing. Never mm-hmm. don't wear your earrings. And if you speak, speak a lick of English, I'm smacking you <laughs> like, yeah, like because we'd go out and um we go out, and uh, one time, me and my brother were talking, and she heard me speak English. We got the worst spankings in the world, and at the time, I was crying, and I was uh-huh. like, why? <laughs> and, and I realized, you know, now to this day, like, if if a cartel member heard you speak English, they're mm-hmm. going to pinpoint your location and see that, you know, that you're with your grandmother. Oh, we're going to take all three of them, see if we can get out of them. They're American. They got money, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, my, my grandmother. Because I was going to ask you what would make that attractive to a Mexican cartel because you speak English. Is it because they think you have money yes. or that you can help them in their shady it, dealings it, with people that are English speaking or uh, just you have money? There's no way mm-hmm. that, that, you know, a second language that you, you're not from here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So you obviously travel. Traveling costs money, you mm-hmm. know. In their eyes, all we got to do is take him and ask for $20,000. Was know? it a culture shock for you when you visited Mexico uh, from being in the U.S.? No, because um, every, I mean, every day I, I live my parents was a Mexican culture in its own. Yeah. I wake up. I, I you know. But I mean, seeing that the level of poverty that you may have seen when you were there and it, how, because, you know, poor is poor everywhere. Yeah. But 
poor is different in different countries. Like to be poor in the U.S. might mean you still have yeah. a roof over your head and a running toilet, so to speak. No, Being no, poor no. in some parts of the world means you're literally living in the street and using a toilet in a stream. I mean, not mm. that that was the case in Mexico, mm. but I'm thinking about places in Africa, actually, in my mind. But, you know, poverty is different. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I always understood that, that I was very fortunate that I never had to go through anything. That My, my parents always made sure yeah. there was food on the table. I had clothes on my back and whatnot. Yeah. But the thing, one of the, the things that I noticed the most, the absolute most, which was very relevant, is over here you see people, so you see people with, the sh- with the street signs and stuff like that, ask for money, which... God bless them. You know, I'm always there if I have a dollar or two on me because I don't really mm-hmm. carry cash money. But if I have something, you know, or something that can help them out, you know, yeah. I'll definitely give it to them because you never know what somebody's going through. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, the difference is, is that doesn't happen in Mexico. You have someone selling mangoes. You have someone, you know, they're, they're out there. So they're constantly working yes. for it. They're yeah, not exactly. asking for exactly. it. They're working for that's, it. That's the biggest difference that I've mm-hmm. seen uh, when it comes to poverty, you know. Obviously, there is a publication, but the thing is, no one will ask. They'll mm-hmm. work for it, you know. That's interesting. And, um, uh, and that's why uh, I just, you know, it, it's it's just different. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? And every, you know, luckily, my grandmother, she was a very intelligent woman, mm-hmm. she very hardworking. She was one of the biggest nurses in the biggest hospitals in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So she she was very well taken care of by, mm-hmm. you know, her job and her career. And, you know, so I I was very fortunate. Mm-hmm. She she's shown me things that I, you know, would have never been able to see. She took me to vacations all the time. And, you it's know, awesome. after the first couple of occurrences, you know, that me and my brother speaking English in public, she was like, I can't deal with these boys. So yeah. <laughs> I, I, she had these two people. Um, I always envisioned I thought I always thought that they were like my uncle. Mm hmm. And um, they actually said they were bodyguards. <laughs> like, yeah. She she hired two people to take care of me and my brother. Well, that says a lot that there was a need to have to even yeah. do that. So That's pretty serious. It was it was uh, very eye opening now because I understood now because at one point I was like, "How my uncles?" And I'm like, "What?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, you don't know yet, but they weren't." Young. I was like, "They were nice people, you know. Yeah. They made sure we were good, you know, and they always got me food whenever I wanted." <laughs> but, Let's talk about the community that you live in now because <laughs> the first thing. I I thought when I learned where you live, I was like, oh, that must be a very interesting experience, especially with what is going on politically now and how people that look like you and me, too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as I'm talking to you, to be Mexican and male in this country right now must be a challenge. Well, the thing is, uh, um, where I currently reside at speaking is a, a lot has changed. Yeah, um, yeah, they have progressed a lot in Peking. I will give them credit for that for oh, sure. Yeah. And you know, it, it's just when I when I like meet a family, you know, because I'm a server. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my day, you know, my day mm-hmm. job. Aside from all the other things I do, and you know, when I meet a family that doesn't look for me and my color, which you know, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They they they're very greetable. They don't mm-hmm. see my tar, you know, my dark skin color, and mm-hmm. you know, they're they're just you know very open with me, and, and that's what I'm saying. It's like because I. Tr- Cause I try to get my friends from Peoria to come play basketball with me all the time, and they're like, they're, they're like, like, no, nah. thanks. I'm like, bro, you're for, good. Because <laughs> for our listeners that do not live in the central Illinois area, Ruben and I are in central Illinois. Um, Pekin, Illinois was once what's called a sundown town. And for those of you that do not know what that is, a sundown town is a place where if you are a person of color, you literally better not be seen out in the open after dark. That 
that is basically what that means, that anything is uh, subject to happen to you. And so Pekin had that reputation for many years, and um, they've been blessed. So they've had a lot of progressive mayors and city officials who have really worked hard to undo that. And for the most part that they have, but there is still that KKK-ish element that still exists in Pekin. That's why I thought, wow, (laughs) to be Mexican (laughs) right now and living in Pekin. It's enough of a challenge in Peoria, let alone there. (laughs) So, no, it's, it's, trust me, man, I have, uh, I have friends of all colors and, you know, Pekin's gotten definitely way, 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 way better. than Because interestingly enough, the incidents that you told me about were when you first went to Pekin Mm -hmm. and that was pre-Trump. Yeah, that was eight so years that ago. Go, yeah, yeah, that goes to show that there is progress at the incidents yeah. that you had then, you're not having now. No, yeah. So, very fortunate, man. I, I, nowadays, I don't know how I deal with it because I'm very, like like I said, I'm a very, very, very passionate Mexican. I love mm-hmm. my culture. I love my people. Mm-hmm. You know, anything that grow my people, I will do in any form of way. You know, I'm very blessed that my parents taught me Spanish because I know I meet mm-hmm. a lot of Mexicans who don't speak Spanish. And that's well, that's interesting <laughs> because to give you a little bit about my background, and I think I've mentioned this on the on the podcast before. Um, I was born here in Peoria, but I grew up in Galesburg, and um, I grew up in a poor and working class neighborhood. A lot of proud people, and the neighborhood that I um, grew up in was almost equally black Mexican Mm -hmm. and white so it was interesting that my experience with the different cultures is one that for the most part we really blended I think for the community where I grew up in um, the differences that we had were more class related rather than race related like it it was a money thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) people with money stuck together and the poor working class people we were kind of all lumped together regardless as to what color we were and it was interesting because I had so many wonderful uh, Mexican friends and some of the families it was a few but some of them wanted their kids to assimilate more into white culture Mm -hmm. like they would not teach their kids Spanish like at one point when I was going in high school and I was taking Spanish and I was fortunate enough to know enough people where I became almost fluent at the time. Yeah. And I was speaking more Spanish yeah. than they were. I'm like, you don't understand what I'd eat. I'd walk in the yeah. house and I'd start speaking Spanish. And they'd look at me like I was crazy. Like, yeah. you don't do that here. Yeah. We don't we don't speak Spanish. Yeah, no, I'm like, are I you kidding me? I can't you don't relate. speak Spanish? <laughs> I can't relate to that. I, yeah. you know, I just, <laughs> like I said, I love my people, love my language. Yeah. You know, luckily uh, it's helped me in my, you know, acting career as well. Yeah. Um, I'm doing a Spanish film. And, you know, that alone, like, that was my first start with my first Spanish film. And the thing is, I want to be a part of the Spanish Hollywood as well. Yeah. Because a lot of people Which do not Which is growing. Know That's a growing industry. Oh, yeah. But the thing is, though, a lot of people don't understand mm-hmm. that Mexicans and Asians are the two most, like, the least used A-list actors. Yeah. So, uh, That's to, true when you how think I try about to, it. How I try to explain it is, like, Mexicans and Asians are at a disadvantage. You know, they're at, and, and they're at, a, like, I think they're 4% of the A-listers. Mm-hmm. And um, and the thing is, is like I take pride in that percentage. But such a big number of the population yeah. and well, growing. 
Well, no, I mean, the thing is, mm-hmm. is like, like I'm saying, it's a, it's a, it's a disadvantage, and I will never make an excuse, like, because I know I've heard of another Mexican actor before that I had to work with, and you know, he was like, there's only four percent, like, I'm, like, I'm not gonna make it. There's only four percent of Mexicans and the Asians yeah, doing you it, can't, you know? Yeah, you, know, you can't and that, look at it that way. No, and then that's that mentality. I told him, like, no, you I'm look proud. at it like this is a great no, opportunity. No, this is a, this, I'm a, we're, we're on the ground ra- level <laughs> here. No, we're gonna raise it, you mm-hmm. know. And the thing is, is I was telling him, like, bro, be part of that 4%. We're going to make it. Like, don't have that mindset where where you're not going to make Because if you are, you're not going to make it, bro. You're going to yeah. you're gonna say that since you're at a disadvantage, you, you can't do it. No, we're going to be at the advantage. Like, Talk about um, the acting gigs that you've done you know, <coughs> and, I, and how you even got started into that because it's interesting. Yeah, no, and that's, and that's the thing. What I try to tell people is, you know, you have to start. You're going to have to realize that it's a process. Yeah. You know, you got to love the process and the process will fall in love with you you cannot rush anything and that's with anything yes. it takes hard work yes. it could take years anything in worth the hustle. in life anything mm-hmm. worth in life takes time there nobody take you know what i'm saying nobody mm-hmm. gets you know extra leverage unless you know somebody but the thing is i'm not in a position to know somebody right mm-hmm. now you know I, I'm, and especially living where you live exactly. and so when you were like naming off the shows that you've appeared on and the things that you've done i'm like wow <laughs> yeah it's cool and then i i'm very yeah. very fortunate we're fortunate that you know, you know chicago is not far yeah and it's becoming and it's a, a little hollywood there's and, 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 so and much stuff that's Chicago's being filmed there crazy mm-hmm. and very fortunate. Um, my friend Maurice commented, and he was actually a director up there, mm-hmm. and uh, he just had me on his short film, and uh, and that's gonna go through film festivals as well, and that's exciting, you know. Mm-hmm. My name's gonna be out there in Los Angeles and in mm-hmm. Georgia, you know, stuff like that, and it's just a very, very f- nice feeling because a year ago I was only doing background work, you know. Yeah. I was only just in the background. I was just an extra, you know, nothing crazy, and then that's how you progress from it. You yep. you become in the background, then afterwards you pursue being a stand-in. A stand-in is somebody that looks like the actor mm-hmm. and they work on you with the lighting and you go through the scene and see mm-hmm. how it looks good and then when they see it looks good they bring in the the, the main actors you know because mm-hmm. they don't want to bother the actors as much as you know because they're in their scene you know what i'm saying yeah so they have somebody that looks like them so the lighting how it looks on them and stuff like that and mm-hmm. you know it's pretty cool so i was a stand-in for a uprising actor he's actually going to be given two years he'll be a-list Mm-hmm. His name is Giovanni Watson, and uh, I was, the movie was Canal Street, uh, and it's filmed in Chicago. And it had, that that movie had so much star powers. I was a featured mm-hmm. student in it, and I, and I had a great time filming that. I met a lot of great people. I met a lot of great mm-hmm. friends, and it's not just the the passion that I had. It's amazing people that I meet through acting. Networking, yeah. no matter. Listen, key people, is this key. is <laughs> network the is key. Tip that you can hear. It's all about networking. networking. Yes. No matter what you're no, doing. No, and the thing is, I go up there. I go up there and I do my thing. And um, you know, some I, I haven't done really extra work in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not necessarily saying that whoever does it is you know is bad or anything, but I need to step higher you know what i'm saying and Mm -hmm. the thing is whenever i did extra work they were reading a book they were reading you know and that's cool you want to have your me time the thing is it's like right now it's the time to network yeah i went from table to table hey how you guys doing my name is ruben i'm from boom 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 boom. Mm -hmm. like hey let's check out your social media let's talk you know what i'm saying i never every time building relationships every time i saw Mm -hmm. an opportunity to meet somebody and grow with them you know because we're all chasing this dream yeah because i've met people that just do background work for fun you know they don't Mm -hmm. really want to pursue acting 
But the thing is, I've also met people that really want to become an A-lister one day. You know, mm-hmm. they want to be on the Walk of Fame with me. Same, same goal, same dream. And that's another thing I want to tell people. You got to watch who you surround yourself with. I've you are, said it on the show you are several the aver- times. You are the average of the five people you hang out with the most. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I heard it in a different form. I had a friend uh, up in Chicago, and he's, he's, he's wealthy. You know, he's intelligent. You know, he did his thing. And, and he was like, man, you, you're, you're, your income is the average of the five people you hang out with the most. And that made mm-hmm. sense. But I took yep. it in a different form. Uh, you are just the average of the five people you hang out with the most. You hang out with four bums, you're the fifth bum. You're not going to be higher than them. Yeah, that's true. So um, initially, I started to take that into heart. You know, I started surrounding myself, my people, you know, surrounding myself with the people that want to grow. They want positive people. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, they're not, not negatives, you know, because a lot of people think that just because someone is in your life, they have to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay, this person lives by me, and I've been I've, I've known them for 15 years. Yeah, they get on my nerves. Yeah, they tell me this, so they have to be a part of my life. No, that's not what you got to, you know? That's not what, what life's about. You got to mm-hmm. bring in anybody that's willing to help you out, because in this dream, in this life, you can never do it alone, and I need people to understand that. Mm-hmm. Ain't nothing wrong with being independent, and I want to tell people that. There's nothing wrong with being independent. But the thing is, you have to realize that no one ever did it alone. Michael Jordan Absolutely. had Scottie Pippen to mm-hmm. help him out, get some mm-hmm. rings. You know, LeBron James had the whole NBA on his team yeah. <laughs> and, to help him out <laughs> to win his rings. And, and Kobe Although Bryant. we won't talk about this yeah, last No, <laughs> we ain't going to talk about that. <laughs> but the thing is, Kobe had Shaq. Everybody needs somebody, you know. Yeah. So, and I need everybody to realize that. Yeah, you can be an independent woman. Yeah, you can be an independent man. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But the thing is, you need somebody to help you rise to greatness. Yeah. You know? And and you're sounding like the motivational Ruben. <laughs> That's yeah. part of who you are. We're going to have to end right here for this part of the conversation. Part two will be continued on next week. So be sure and check out for that download as we continue our conversation with Ruben Ramirez. He's talking about what it means to be young man and Hispanic today in America. It's been an interesting conversation and it will get even more interesting next week as we delve into things that he has going on in his life, including his budding acting career. He's already done a lot and uh, his trajectory is definitely on and upwards. If you like what you've heard so far, Ruben and I would love to hear from you. Check out the Facebook page, Get Happy With Jay. You can also go to the website, which I hope you definitely visit, GetHappyWithJay.com. You can catch up on any and all podcasts that you may have missed right there at the website and you can leave a comment there as well also reminding you if you are enjoying Get Happy With Jay please consider nominating the podcast for an award go to podcastawards.com and you'll have to take a few seconds to just do a quick little registration then it's going to get you directly to the nomination page there's a bunch of different categories but Get Happy With Jay is specifically under the people's choice category so so scroll down there and click on us and it will do such great things to help us grow this little happy movement that we're trying to do here. Trying to have a positive place in uh, the space of podcasts. There's all kinds of podcasts out there, some good, bad, otherwise, some negative, but we are occupying the positive podcast space. And I thank you so much for that. Award nominations ends on July 31st, so you don't have too much more time to support us in that way. But we definitely appreciate it. Contest time for the podcast is coming up soon. We are going to be celebrating our 49th podcast episode with a wonderful giveaway basket. And it's going to be valued at over $300 worth of amazing prizes. So that's going to be something awesome for you to be 
able to win. And I'll be telling you how that you can enter the contest in the coming week. So look out for that and more. So until next week, goodbye from Ruben and I. And be sure and like, review, and subscribe this podcast as well. Until next week, do something to make yourself happy. It's not selfish, it's self-care. 